I'm David Benedetto, and today I'll be welcoming on two poets to the show to talk about some interesting things going on in their lives. First, we have poet Peter Twall, who is the author of Our Earliest Tattoos, which was just released and won the Ito Enan Poetry Prize. His work has also appeared in The Believer, Best New Poets, Kenyon Review, West Branch, and elsewhere. He's also the recipient of the Samuel and Mary Ann Hazo Poetry Award and earned his MFA at the University of Notre Dame. Hey, Peter. How's it going today? It's great. Thanks, man. How are you? I'm doing really well. Just uh, here at the station in New Orleans. You're in Arizona right now? Yeah. Yeah. I'm in Phoenix. We just uh, moved out here probably a couple months ago. My partner and I, she um, got a professorship uh, at a school up north of Phoenix, Embry-Riddle. And so uh, we, we made the move. Oh, fantastic. And I mean, how how is it going to transition into that? I know you were up north in Massachusetts for a bit, but now you're in this southwest kind of world and coming from, you know, Louisiana land. What, what's it like with all those like differing cultures and trying to kind of figure a place? You know, it's, it's funny. We were so most recently before this, we were in Indiana as well. Right. So I think that the greatest shock was was moving from warmth to intense cold to warmth again. Right. But it's <laughs> the weather is, is such a such an easy an easy out, I think, but like really it's, it's mostly terrain. Like I'm, I miss a lot of things about Louisiana. I miss the way that like, you know, there's just literally trees everywhere. Right. Especially, you know, getting to Indiana, the, the big switch there was from trees to just corn, which uh, has its own charm, I guess. Right. And, and stuff, but, you know, coming out here to, to Phoenix, you know, I've, I've, I've never been around so many um, mountains and uh, you know, being Jordanian, my family, like I thought I knew the desert, right. Like I felt like I, I had that kind of landscape down, but it's it's such a different uh, you know experience here uh, from what from what I know of the desert and and Jordan. And uh, anytime I see grass, I get very excited. It's it's kind of like an affirmation that it still exists, and it's it's neat. It's really neat. And there's so much to do out here aside from aside from that. Way more to do, I think, than than Indiana. So we we've been trying to take it all in uh, and not overwhelm ourselves at the same time. Yeah, no, I, I get that. Um... In your kind of writing life, how much does setting kind of affect you when you're creating things, when you're putting poems on the page? Is it uh, is it just like you kind of do the same thing wherever you're at, or are there like anything that you've noticed have, as you've been moving about? That's a good question. Setting is, is so huge for me. I'm, I'm very, like, focused on space, I think, as a, as a person. And, like, I, I, for better or worse, compartmentalize my, uh, my life in terms of spaces, right? So I actually have a really hard time writing at home um, and... Like to the point where I almost can't at all, right? So um, mostly when I was writing the book, I would go to this one coffee shop in, uh, you know, Indiana, and uh, kind of by Purdue where I was working. And it was probably like three to four nights a week. I would just go and I would sit there and I would like uh, people watch. I put headphones on because I, I craved like visual noise, but like I still needed uh, my own my own soundtrack to that, you know, visual noise. So, yeah, I kind of needed to be around people. I needed to see other people um, being productive and I kind of guess I, I pulled from that energy and um, just compiled whatever lines I had in my head, uh, you know, down onto the page, um, lines that maybe I came up with in the day before, you know, even the past week, and would just sit there and kind of puzzle piece it together, I guess. Yeah, no, I get that. That's, that's interesting. Speaking of the book, our, our earliest tattoos, um, it's really exciting to have this out in the world. How are you feeling? Oh, it is. <laughs> it, it's wild. And in truth, I, I'm you know, I found out about the prize, the Yatul Adnan Poetry Prize winning it. Um, I think Fadin Hayyan reached out to me. Uh, those are the uh, the judges and kind of slash my editors. They, they kind of contacted me last July, and I am still to this day, like, really unpacking 
this entire experience. And it's been new levels of gratitude that I feel like I've never really, you know, experienced and, and a great learning uh, opportunity for me too, because to sit down and, and edit with them was, um, was brilliant. These are poets who uh, I greatly admire, you know, for their, their work. And so, um, seeing how the book evolved and seeing it now in like a physical object is just, it's just fantastic. I don't even know how to put it into words sometimes. <laughs> I can imagine. Um, it's really interesting. You are throughout the book exploding uh, the form of the sonnet. And, I, and I'm wondering what, what draws you to writing in that format or where you were uh, during this time period drafting this book that you really wanted to focalize on that, that, that form right there. You know, I, I kind of owe the, the usage of the sonnet to Joel McSweeney. I was uh, at Notre Dame at the time for my MFA, and it was my last semester there, and I had a workshop with Joel, and um, I had just kind of come off of writing a series of poems that were uh, all in couplets, which is an element of the, the sonnet in some, in some form, but um, they were these really long and sprawling poems, and I was kind of, kind of over the long poem, and I turned in a poem to a workshop that had 15 lines, and I didn't even realize it, and Joel pointed it out, and she was like, I say you cut, you know, cut it down a bit, get it to 14 and then write 50 more and you've got a book. And, you know, at the time I laughed, I was like, oh, I didn't, didn't even think about it. But, you know, the next few poems I started writing, I was like, okay, well, let's, let's do 14 lines and, and call it quits there. And it was, it ended up being this almost release, right? Because like I was struggling with the longer poems to know when they needed to end or when they could end even, right? But with the sonnet, it was kind of like I had a limit. I, I imposed it on myself and it gave me, um, set of guidelines that I really needed. And at that point, I could really focus on uh, the content of the poem and what I was trying to say, as opposed to uh, when I needed to stop saying it, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, I get that. Par parameters can be a friend. I, I like that. Yeah, absolutely. And the form itself is, is, you know, lovely. Like, it's really cool. Like, I never really thought of myself as a formalist, and I'm certainly not, but it was great to kind of take part in a, a bit of a poetic tradition, right? Like, you know, the sonnet goes back, I don't know, however long, and like, you know, I'm sure if you tell somebody uh, you've written a sonnet, they'll be like, well, that's a poem, right? There's something, I think, recognizable about it. So I felt like I was kind of contributing to a conversation that uh, I never really thought I would before. So that, was, that itself was exciting. No, I get that. And getting to evolve that conversation, too, because keeping it active. I remember uh, reading in the introduction of your of your book, uh, which are your... Um, the people that selected it had, had written talking about, you know, this, this century-old tradition of sonnets and where it's going and how it's extended itself. That's really cool to be a part of that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, while we're speaking of your poetry, I was wondering if you could share a poem from the book with us. Oh, totally. So I, I think I'm going to read one called One of the Ways We Show Our Age. You vibrate the littlest bone in my ear and drive from the couch flicking radio knobs to pick up the frequency of your white teeth, violins grinding against each other. You echo from my chest hole. Whatever happened in that surgery channel will happen to us all. Maybe we're just birds trapped in an airport. I can't stop scratching the back of my ear. I can't stop crying for help every time I flip the channel, but you tell me parallel parking hurts and your hands circle the air like a buzzsaw, spitting slightly as you speak. Holy water, holy water. Thanks so much for sharing Damn that, Peter. Um, one of the things I, I really enjoy about your poetry, both in this book, and I know you um, recently had a poem published as part of the Poem -A Day series, uh, the email blast that goes out uh, called An Ordinary Time. Um, I really love the images that you use. I'm thinking about the, the first poem in this book, 
Uh, you write, you know, lost in awe and a light bulb, exhibit reading, every last placard, the sun explodes as well, a pimple from a hubble away and yet. Uh, you have such a great way with framing images in a series. And I'm wondering if that's always been a concern of yours or if that's something you've kind of stumbled across. Well, it's kind of you to say. Um, I think I think I have a hard time focusing when yeah. I write. So I'm constantly jumping from thing to thing. And I think that is what eventually spills into, you know, my poetry, right, where it almost seems scatterbrained or something like that. And, and I kind of, I derive a lot of, you know, energy and momentum, or I look for those things, I think, when I when I jump from image to image. It's It's kind of what sparks my interest when I read somebody else's poetry a lot of times is just thinking like, how on earth did you get to that? Right? Like from, from this one thing to that, like, where did that come from? And it's part of the mystery, it's part of the confusion a lot of times, but uh, it's also, you know, the, the intrigue, you know, it's what uh, pulls me back. And then I think another thing that kind of gets me uh, thinking in that way is to consider montage theory, which I took a, a few film and television classes at Notre Dame when I was there. And that was my first foray into critical theory in that kind of, or in those genres. And, you know, when you think about montage theory, right, it's like you have two images and separately they each elicit a certain emotion or perhaps nothing at all, right? But like you can very drastically change a person's perception by putting those two images next to each other or, you know, having one across from another one, right? Like suddenly Mm -hmm. the scene takes on a completely different meaning. And so I try to be cognizant of that, I think, when I write, um, my poems, I try to think about what it, what kind of energy is created when you put this one image next to that one as opposed to, you know, somewhere else in the poem. Interesting. Do you have a favorite image, image from any of your poems that you just, like, keep coming back to be like, yeah, I'm still stuck on that thing? That's a really good question. Stuck on it as, uh, stuck on it as in, uh, like... Fixated like or, like, you keep on coming to back or... to it, maybe. Hmm. You know, there's, there's a, a poem in the book where... Uh, I talk about, it's kind of the ending of the poem, and there's, there's uh, you know, God shows up to a party, essentially, right? And I've kind of tried to bring God down to this human level in the book as a kind of, you know, exploration of my own, I guess, faith in some way, or, or negotiation of it, I suppose. But, mm-hmm. you know, God kind of has something in his teeth, right? And it's green, and it's so noticeable in the way that, like, it would be for any of us. And so that was the first time I tried to write uh, about God in that way in the book. And, and I think... It does, it, not necessarily that image that keeps coming up, but perhaps, you know, that representation of of God kind of continually emerges in the poems where it's just like this person, or maybe they're just sending you a random text or, you know, being kind of snippy with you at another time, right? Like, I think um, I think that was something that kind of began to power uh, its way through the book in a way that, like, I didn't originally uh, intend it to. Yeah, no, that's super interesting because you have this like kind of pedestrian aspect that really can make you hone in on this this idea that is so much larger than everything, right? Right, exactly, exactly, yeah. Well, interesting. Um, we can't talk about this book without talking about LCD Sound System. Tell me about <laughs> the effect this band has had on you. For, for people who don't know, LCD Sound System is a band uh, that was popular and is still popular in these uh, 2010s. Um, and you utilized the song All My Friends and the lyrics from that song as titles for all of the poems within this book. Yeah, yeah. It's um, like you said, all the titles are there, right? And um, that's, I think, what is the most on the nose uh, reference, obviously, to, to the song. But really, um, a really good friend of mine, uh, Drew, introduced me to this 
this band um, about six months after they'd broken up. And so that was probably like, what, 2012, something like that, maybe 2011. I can't remember exactly when it happened. And uh, All My Friends was the first song I heard from them. And I immediately remember thinking two things. I was like, you know, oh, my God, surely this is one of the greatest things I will ever. And I was like certain of it. And two, I was like, I will never see these people live. Like hmm. they're, they broke up, right? And so um, it was probably like two years later of like obsessing over this band and listening to them so often and always returning to all my friends as well, like to think about how pervasive nostalgia is in that song and how, you know, you, the kind of, the, the lyrics are like hinting at the like tenderness of memory, but at times also just like how it's really difficult and uh, can be painful as well. So I started writing my own series of poems about memory and, uh, and nostalgia being almost a violence um, on the body and stuff like that, past and present. And of course, in the, the form of memory, right? Not necessarily mm -hmm. a physical uh, manifestation of that. And really the poems uh, kind of turned into this almost elegy for, for LCD sound system. Like, and it was mainly mine, right? It's like, I took this obsession and made it like, even more niche by being like, and this is me mourning the fact that I'll never see these people live. And uh, it's funny that, I mean, they got back together, right? And uh, <laughs> I got a chance to see them. Um, <laughs> like, I think at Lollapalooza in, uh, I believe it's 2016, and they closed the show with all my friends. And I kind of just stood there at the end, like, you know, where it like has that big climax where it, you know, it, it just, you know, James Murphy just keeps saying, um, if I could see all my friends tonight, I'm like, everyone around me is like jumping and like screaming. And I remember just standing there in like complete awe. And I, I felt, you know, closer to my, my poetry than I'd ever felt before. And I wasn't even sitting next to it and on a, looking at a computer. Like I was just suddenly so sure. I was like, <laughs> I'm so glad I've spent the last four years of my life, like writing this, this book. Cause like it made me feel I don't know, in a way that I, I never had before, right? So it was kind of reassuring, I think, to again, to kind of feel that. And so um, the, the very short answer to everything that I just said is that it's, it's, I'm really interested in how they, they weave their way through memory in the song, right? On, on the, the level of like music and layering, but also in terms of the lyrics themselves. And so uh, I just wanted to spend as much time with with those lyrics as I could and kind of build little worlds around uh, the parts of them or the parts of the song that really pulled me in. Yeah, no, I think that's so interesting. And I, as a fan of the song and of the band, I, I really appreciated diving into that. Were you ever worried about um, that aspect of it or trying to exercise that being a little too precious? Hmm. That's interesting. As in, like, I, I, you know, you don't want to, you know, what's the saying? Like, you never want to meet your heroes. Like, if I kind of like dug into the song too much, I would kind of be disappointed at some point. You think? Or even in like the aspect of um, the writing itself, that 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 on the noseness or that um, veering so close to the nostalgia that it would go towards that sentimental aspect. Are you ever afraid of that? I mean, in truth, I I think sentimentality is kind of this thing that gets like sometimes a a bad rap in poetry, right? Like, mm -hmm. where it's like. Yeah, like a, almost a, a negative at times. And like, I, I kind of like, I love it. I love being overly sentimental. And like, <laughs> in, in terms of poetry, I like it. it I, I really enjoy it. Right? So I think there were things that I was trying to be really careful about, um, yeah. like you said. Um, and, and you know, the book is flawed. I will say that. And I realized that mostly when I, when I went through the editing process where 
where Fadian Hayan pointed out a lot of these things to me that you're talking about, where I was um, overusing the term, let's say, all my friends, right? Or I was trying to build it into this uh, kind of amorphous character on its own yeah. um, in, in the book. And, and I don't think I accomplished that, right? Like I, I didn't nail it as well as I, I thought I did. And so they kind of pointed that out to me. And, and you're right too about, about memory. Like I, <laughs> I think we went through like a word count. They were just trying to like prove the point to me. And I think I used the word memory in the book, like something absurd. It was close to like 70 or 80 times <laughs> in its original form. And they were like, you just got to trust, right? You got to trust that your audience is going to pick this up, you know, on their, on their own. And so you're absolutely right. Like, I think I was uh, at times when I was first writing these poems being a little too hyper-focused on, on my appreciation for what else you sound system is doing in the song and probably not uh, including enough of myself in that. Um, and so it kind of through the editing process gave me a chance to strip away a little bit more of the song and kind of focus more on like, what what my poems were trying to do in in the song's orbit let's say and at other times what the song was doing in my orbit yeah i think that's so interesting and it's really cool that you had editors that were there to kind of point those things out and that you're able to absorb that and um work within that and whittle things down to make them better make them more effective for a reader i um I recently saw um, Barry Jenkins' new film at a, at a film fest, uh, If Bill Street Could Talk. Um, he's the director of Moonlight, uh, known for really delicate approaches to love stories and internal life. And um, your poems remind me of his approach a little bit, because if they go one way, they could be too much. They could be too saturated, but it's trying to find that balance, right? Well, yeah, um, that uh, may be... I feel like I should really just go out on that compliment and yeah. like stop writing poems uh, <laughs> and just be like, well, clearly that's, that's, that's the highlight. That's it. That is the clear. Um, that, uh, because I mean, Moonlight is like, it is such an incredible film. And so like, I have not even made that, that connection in my mind. Wow. But, uh, so thank you for that. Um, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think, uh, saturation is, is certainly something that I was, um, not aware of, but, having having my editors there uh who are who had such keen eyes i think really uh kind of gotten me thinking differently about poems as i write them now in the future for sure yeah no cool well um to kind of switch tracks a little bit um i'm interested in learning about when you started to write poetry because i know you are an engineer as well as a poet um, and how have you kind of, how did you first start writing poetry? And then how do you balance this very different professional obligation with your writing? I think my earliest writings were probably, they were in like middle school. Um, I used to write a lot of like letters and little random like things like that, but I didn't uh, really start to kind of understand how deeply I like loved poetry uh, as a like thing uh, probably until like high school when I started being exposed to more and more um, writers and uh, and you know when I say more and more writers these are still classics from like you know the canon and so it wasn't like I was really branching out but you know then once once I had gotten to, uh, to high school I started writing my own stuff and it was all this really like oh it's so terrible and I'm so glad that I have it all in like a single folder contained at home and like quarantined right? so I can like look back at it when I want to and be like, you know, I'm, still, I'm glad it's still there and this hasn't, you know, walked out on its own. But um, I digress. I think, uh, you know, 
high school and college is when I really started to realize that, like, I loved poetry. And I went back and forth uh, in deciding whether I should, you know, kind of just maybe be like an English major, right? And like, uh, follow that route. And um, I always loved engineering and like tinkering with things. And, uh, you know, a, a few of my role models at the time were, were engineers. And so it kind of felt like the right thing to do, I guess. I was like, you know, I can always write poems. I don't necessarily need to, uh, let's see, even get an MFA later on, like, you know, to write. Like, you can you can always write and you can be successful and if, if you want, right? And, and to whatever degree that is for you. So mm-hmm. it, was, it was a hard decision, but I think my third year of college is when I really sunk in. I was like, I'm going to stick to uh, engineering, which at that point would have added years to my, I guess, schooling if I went back for, for an English degree. But um, it ended up being really fruitful for me because I... I find that, like I said, I, I write best in odd places. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, I guess a coffee shop's not really that odd or uncommon, but, you know, it 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 provides a sense, like a, almost like a palate cleanser, right? Where I, I come back to my writing after a long day of doing whatever I'm doing. Um, and it's so different from what I've been doing that I feel like it's refreshing. Um, and, and, you know, kind of vice versa. When I get stuck on my poems, like I just, I'm eager to go to my job and, um look at, you know, like online diagrams and things like that. And it kind of gives me a chance to like clear my mind uh, one way or the other whenever, whenever I kind of need it. So while at times it can be a hindrance, I guess, just because I don't have as many, uh, as much time as I'd like to devote to my writing, it's also a good way for me to kind of ground myself and like zero out and uh, start again when I need to. No, I get that. The kind of seesaw effect, I think that, that can be really lovely and helpful. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, what's your least favorite part of writing a poem? <laughs> it's probably the most critical part, which is uh, revising. I, <laughs> I have this like terrible habit of switching from uh, writing about what I'm obsessed with to uh, being obsessed with what I'm writing. And it takes me a long time to detach. Like as long as it takes me to like sit there and like draft because I'm, you know, to like kind of a perfectionist about that sort of thing. It's just terrible, right? Like I just have a hard time like writing things down and getting it out. So I will spend weeks sometimes trying to write a single poem and then I will need like <laughs> another few weeks to, to pull back from it where like I'm okay with changing it, right? And like I get that at this point it's some like weird loyalty complex that I have probably and like, you know, I understand how I work, but it's it's tough because it it slows me down and as much as aware as I am of it, like I just have a hard time breaking the habit. So getting to the revision process is tough for me, but when I get there, I feel like it's really rewarding, you know? Yeah, no, I, I get that. <laughs> Interesting. Um, uh, as we're getting kind of close to the end of the interview here, I, um, I had a fun question back and forth with a, with another poet recently. Uh, and she was talking about, uh, a way of looking at the world that I thought was interesting. And I was wondering if you could only speak in one tense for a week, uh, what tense would that be and, and why? Ooh, I, I think I'd go with the present tense, which is probably the most vanilla answer you can, <laughs> you can give. But uh, I, I have a hard time um, not looking too far ahead or like beating myself up over things that I've done, you know, in the past, right? Yeah. Or overthinking things, let's say, right? And so it seems like it would be an incredibly beneficial exercise for me to focus solely on the present and to 
speak in that tense and to think in that tense as well, right? Like, because I, like I said, I, I bounce around way too much. And so I'm going to go with the present tense final answer. I think it's a solid answer. We'll take it. I'm curious. What, uh, what was your, uh, you know, answer to that question, if you don't mind me asking? No, of course. I, I went with the past. Um, Ooh, nice. Which I think would be challenging in like a real, real sense on that weekly basis. But I do think it would be, I'd reserve myself to speaking only when I had something to add to like an overall context of things, right? Ooh, that's brilliant. That is way more thoughtful. <laughs> I've also than, been thinking uh, about this for like a month. <laughs> so I did spring this on you. So you're okay. So you're saying you've got this, like you had this written down and you were waiting for me to ask you just so you could like, boom, lay it out and put me to shame on that one. Huh? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Just like, you know, prove, prove everything in this interview, just making myself come up on top. <laughs> but, but no, I, I think the president, it's always, it's always interesting to ask people that question and see what they kind of pull up and in the moment. And then there have been a few people that I've asked it to that they'll come back and like text me and be like, you know, I've thought about this a little bit more and I'm changing and this is why. And they'll send me like two paragraphs. And it's like, okay, that's cool. Um, I didn't realize <laughs> I, I set off this chain of events for you, but all right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. No, you, you have no idea. I'm really going to be, uh, I mean, I had just said it, right? Like I, I, I think uh, about things way, you know, too long into the future. And so you'll, you'll see an email from me. <laughs> okay. I'm looking like, forward to this. My answer, <laughs> which has no consequence. <laughs> no, I like it, Peter. I will take the email by all means. Um, well, to, to kind of wrap us up for, um, for today, uh, and, and a question that I, that I ask everyone towards the end of the interview is, um, what are you reading right now? And also what projects are you working on next? So I'll, I'll start, I guess, with what I'm reading right now. Um, I'm, uh, I just finished, um, uh, American Sonnets for My uh, Past and Future Assassins by Terrence Days, which is uh, really, really stunning and kind of, not even kind of, like, uh, is a totally different uh, take on the sonnet from kind of like what I was writing, right? And so it's really uh, exciting to see that kind of conversation happening, I guess, simultaneously right now uh, with, with mine and like some other, like, you know, people who are writing in the sonnet form. And I was also reading Claudia Rankin's uh, Citizen, which came out, you know, years back, but it's it's such a powerful book. And, like, I'm, like, super ashamed to say that, like, I'm only just now getting to it because it's incredibly uh, important and uh, a really poignant take on um, race relations and, like, you know, things of that sort. So, uh, yeah, those are the two books I think that I'm uh, – well, one that I just finished and the other that I'm making my way through. All right. That's good. And and what about, um, are you, you're in the middle of the release for this book, obviously, but do you have any other projects on the horizon or things that you're starting to work on? Oh yeah. Um, that was the other part of the question I forgot about. Um, you know, I, I've, I've been actually struggling to write new things. It's been like that for a while. And I think I was just so focused on kind of editing this book and, um, really kind of celebrating the moment that I, I haven't really written many new things, but, um, the, the few poems that I'm kind of writing are all kind of meandering in their own way, but they're, they're much more, um, I don't know if raw is the word, but like, they're just, they're so feelings heavy. And, uh, I think I kind of hid behind, um, a like wall of like absurdity in this book where like anytime, like I got too close to like being like all about the feelings, I would throw in a ridiculous image about the Mars rover that had like you know, no, no real tie to what I was feeling. So uh, I'm trying not to do that, right? I'm trying to just sit down and write poems about what I'm, what I'm thinking. Um, and, you know, you mentioned that one poem on the, the poem a day uh, series, this Sunday in Ordinary Time. And that was, 
absolutely. Uh, and I think that was like the first poem from from this newer newer set that I'm working on, where I just say things, uh, say whatever I'm thinking. I like that. I think that's cool to kind of lean into that. And it's it, it's a risk, but it's also you know, it's it's a a risk in the moment, and you have the ability to kind of dive into that and edit and and maneuver those around and see what you can do with all those feelings on the page. Yeah, it's been a really cool experience and like super jarring compared to uh, you know the the poems from this book. But like, um, but it, but I still feel reward. It, it is rewarding. I think like it's it's something different. So I look forward to it every time I sit down to do it. Good. Well, Peter, uh, this has been a pleasure speaking with you. So, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. Thank you, Dave. This was, this was fantastic.